Instead of concentrating on beer, let's concentrate beer. The thrilling conclusion of the Molson Coors Super Bowl commercial saga. A new brewery's bringing Middle East traditions to craft beer. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Let me check the records. Yes, it's been three years and counting since AB InBev last behaved like a little bitch during the Super Bowl, which is exactly when this podcast started. I'm not saying that we single-handedly stopped AB InBev from being a little bitch, but before this podcast, they were little bitches pretty much every year. After this podcast, a void of beer-related bitchery. I'd say those results speak for themselves. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman, and we are the Checks and Balances. We balances. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that we solely are responsible. I'm not not saying we're so, solely responsible. I'm not 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 saying we're solely responsible. What I'm saying is that AB InBev is afraid of us and they've stopped being little bitches. So, yep, we're like Fox News. We're fair and balanced. <laughs> How are you doing today, Tyler? I am good. Uh, Taking it kind of easy, had a event tonight, so we're doing a late night podcast record before I get to go and just destroy my palate with a 18-panel off-flavor kit tomorrow morning. I've done the, like, the 8th off-flavor, and even that's a little bit, um, oh, it's, tr- it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a, it's, 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 it's fun, but you're, but it's horrific at the same time i am trying to mentally prepare for 18 just atrociously awful fucking beers <laughs> how are you mentally preparing yourself you uh, uh uh you know drinking some heavily off flavored beer from uh some of more colorful uh uh local uh producers no uh i'm having the <laughs> wow you 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 were trying to bait me there uh... <laughs> a little bit <laughs> Uh, I'm having the Classico um, Mexican Lager from Alesmith. How is it? Pretty good. 5.2%, pretty crisp, not a ton of flavor, but light, refreshing. I drink it on a hot day on a beach, so. I grabbed me the Breakside Low Places Dark Lager, and it is not at all what I was expecting. Um, I mean, for a start, it pours, You can I don't know if you can see it, but it pours like amber in color, like a really deep amber. Yeah, um, it's like a really dark Vienna lager. Um, but it also has like a, like a fruity, caramely aroma. Hmm. It's got, I mean, pretty clean, pretty clean flavor profile, a touch of caramel, really bitter roasty finish. Um, this is not Breakside's best work. I mean, it just, just uh, doesn't, it just doesn't, uh, I don't know, doesn't have the smooth character that, uh, uh, that I, you kind of look for in a, in, in a dark lager. Um, and it has a really bitter lingering finish. So <laughs> I say, yeah, should... I, I was going to say if you're branding it, a, I guess technically a dark lager, well, d- I mean, does it need to be black? I mean, this is, it's like right on the, it's like right on the, uh, uh, the edge. You know, I'd probably, I mean, in a glass, I'd call this an amber lager, but it is, I mean, it is a deep amber. Um, so it might be, 
you know near enough to the to, to I mean it almost pours like ruby colored. Um, I was gonna say it looks like you're drinking an amber ale. Um, but but when you say dark lager, I immediately think Schwarzbier, Czech dark lager. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's just there's a bunch of combinations going in for that. I'm like this this is not. This is not your best work break side. It's okay. We all have those days. Uh, we may be preparing for one of those days ourselves. So I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't judge. <laughs> that being said, uh, Tyler, do you want to get us started today? Yeah. So we had some recent breaking news since the last time we talked. Uh, yesterday, the Full Pint reported uh, that Drake's Brewing Company uh, will be acquiring. Bear Republic Brewing. Um, they're still waiting on all the details of the transition uh, to emerge. But from what they've been able to find out, um, Drake's has purchased the beers, the intellectual property, and will begin brewing and distributing Bear Republic brands. That is um, that is so weird because, I, I mean, Bear Republic, that one I know. That one is... Like one of the old staples, you know, the Bear Republic Racer IPA was it used to be one Racer of the, Five. Racer Five, yeah, uh, used to be one of the top uh, IPAs in the country. Um, never heard of Drake. Um, you haven't heard? Yes, you've heard of Drakes. I don't, I don't think I've heard of Drakes. Yeah, you have okay, Drakes. I, I, I have heard of Drakes. Then, I if you haven't, I'll be surprised. Drakes. Uh, has a huge barrel age and wild program. They do some pretty solid IPAs, a couple really clean loggers. Um, I don't think their I've base. Ever, I don't think I've ever crossed paths with them. So they're I've, a big, they're a bigger go, name than I think they are. Yes. Okay. Much bigger. <laughs> uh, Google their name and see their logo. It is a basic logo. If you've seen that logo, you will know. Okay, give me one second. Anyway, what else can you tell us while I try to see if... It's... So, uh, Bear Republic has seen their market share uh, and market presence shrink over the past 10 years uh, where they've had to retract from some markets and regions. Uh, and uh, ultimately, they decided to sell to Drake's. Um the Drake's team sent out a communication that said, we're happy to announce some exciting news. Our company has a- agreed to acquire the brands of the well-known and greatly respected Bear Republic Brewing. I'm looking at Drake's uh, logo. It does not ring a bell. I have not run across them. This might be the equivalent uh, of like going in, in, going to the Midwest and never hearing of Boulevard, but I'm here to say I've never run into this. I know you've had one at one of the bottle shares we've done. <laughs> okay, listen. How far into the how, how far in the bag was I when that bottle came up? Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, After some of those uh, bottle shares, I can't even find my own pants. <laughs> but in a surprising note, the acquisition includes the brands in IP only and does not include the brewery. At self hmm. um so they will be adding the brands and continuing to sell 
Bear Republic brands, but they will all be brewed on at Drake's current breweries on their systems with their brewers. And I guess um, Bear, the Bear Republic brewery just sells to a place that just sell off the equipment or even the building to something else. Yeah. So that's that's a um, that's a fairly rare situation. I don't think we've come across the uh, uh, many breweries that um a purchase for just the just the IP and the uh, recipes. Yeah, we came across one because we argued whether it should count towards the Deadpool because a brewery literally sold the brewery but kept the right. IP and brands themselves but yeah, sold the physical building off to a different brewery. We've run into the opposite of that, yeah, but I don't think we've run into this type of sale. Yeah, uh, but Rich Norgrove, uh, one of the founders of Bear Republic, will be coming a team member in Drake's organization. Um, but outside of that, they really don't give a lot of details of what's going to happen to current employees of Bear Republic, uh, what they were purchasing it for, uh, really any terms of the deal outside of we're buying the IP and the beers we're not buying the equipment. Hmm. I mean, one of the things maybe they don't know yet either. <laughs> Possibly. And we never really find the, there's a lot of things we never ever find out about these deals, but that's, that's fascinating. And, uh, I guess the good, I mean, I'm guessing the good news is that that will mean that bear Republic will still be able to be available. At one point in time, they were distributed up here, but they sort of faded away. I was going to say, I think when they were doing those market retreats, we lost them, and hopefully we can start seeing them come back, but I don't have a lot of hope because we don't get Drake's up here either. So, See, that's why I told you, I've never heard of them. Oh. Jeremy, I'm going to fucking throat punch you. Yes, you have. Well, Jeremy, you want to start us off outside of acquisition news? Um, <clears throat> uh, Super Bowl commercial news now. Um, well, uh, I, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, mostly because I, I was uh, way too excited to uh, uh, for uh, the big Miller Coors, uh, which one was going to get the Super Bowl commercial. I was so excited that I couldn't actually watch. Uh, the anticipation was too great. Tyler, uh, you, I'm, I'm guessing you uh, uh, sat down and watched the Super Bowl. I did. And yes, yes, you have had a Drake's beer. It was <laughs> one, two, three, four, five. It was the fifth beer we had that night. It was the Drake Conic. Okay. Uh, five out of how many? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, my, seventeen, think... eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, <laughs> twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, and one of those was your like rocket fuel mead. Oh, it was that night. <laughs> Of course, I don't remember the one Drakes from five years ago on the on the booziest bottle share ever, where we where we gave ourselves nicknames. Tons of fun. <laughs> hey, you lemon stealing whore. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
uh, uh, I didn't watch. I don't give rats ass about football. Um, but it, they, they, it was it was a big thing, or at least uh, Molson Coors tried to make it a big thing. Who was going to get the big the first uh, 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 commercial that the first well more than one second commercial that was going to air nationally uh, that was not Budweiser, and it was. Blue I Moon. missed it, so I don't know. <laughs> Blue Moon. Ah, ah, I was going to say, I was literally watching the Super Bowl and didn't even notice this commercial. That's how <laughs> un- unlike inspiring it was. Um, of course, the lead up to this bombshell has uh, uh, that absolutely nobody's been talking about. Uh, um, um, this, uh, this story comes from Variety Magazine by Brian Steinberg. Um, Molson Coors uh, uh, tried to drum up some excitement. Uh, uh, who it was going to be? They 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 kept on teasing that it was either going to be um, uh, Miller High Life or or sorry Miller Light or Coors Light. Um, mm-hmm. They even went so they they took out a full page ad in the New York Times asking whether whether it should be Coors Light or Miller Light. Uh, they even went so far as to strike a deal with the DraftKings to let people bet on the outcome. Um, no word on how, on that, how that final result yet. Um, I'm guessing the gullible rubes that normally use DraftKings are used to getting ripped off. So they didn't even notice that nobody won. Um, except maybe a Molson Coors executive. Uh, oh, you severely underestimate how angry sports bettors will get. Cause if your only two options are. Coors Light or Miller Light to gamble, and especially if they threw that in on a fucking parlay, uh, and then uh, fucking Blue Moon comes out and wins it, uh, that's like being like, okay, you can bet on the Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden the San Francisco 49ers win this year's Super Bowl, and they're not even playing in it. That's kind of my, my. I don't know how that hell that shook out in the end. I and know it. I and I didn't see like. I don't know. I didn't see a bunch of uh, of bored suburban dads suddenly uh, uh, grab torches and picks pitchforks and burn down the Molson Coors uh, headquarters. So I'm guessing it was fine. Yeah, I'm guessing they were like, "Oh, haha, we got you. Here's your five dollars back or whatever you threw on that bet." <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, and they did try to craft a storyline about which of their big brands is going to be. Um, it's kind of like the who shot Mr. Burns of the beer world with an equally stupid conclusion. Um, Michelle St. Jacques, uh, the chief marketing officer at Molson Coors said, quote, it has such an iconic visual talking about blue moon, obviously, uh, the orange garnish, the, bo- the beautiful draft beer, uh, even with two seconds, I think people are going to see it in the end and it's going to make them want to grab a blue moon. And, um, um, I, I know that that two seconds really affected you, Tyler. Um, uh, and I can only assume that since you've, even if you didn't, uh, didn't register seeing it, um, it, it centered in sub, your subconscious and you've been pounding them like a slave ship drummer who's getting up to ramming speed. Oh yeah. I, I've already killed a half barrel keg of blue moon since the <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, Starkey, this aside, blue moon is craft adjacent. I mean, <laughs> Because of its style, you can't really classify it as a domestic. Um, But, I mean, it is also fucking Molson Coors. Um, Craft adjacent is the best term I I, I can think of. Um, So, would you call this like the first mention of craft beer uh, 
on a national, nationally televised Super Bowl commercial? Yes. <laughs> that that one word had more qualifiers <laughs> in one syllable. Uh, mean, the only other thing that could be argued. So Budweiser did a shock top commercial at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And if you're going to label Blue Moon as craft, technically Shock Top would fall in that same thing. So Shock Top beat it to the punch by a couple of years. I forgot about that, but good point. I mean, yeah, I I agree. If you're if you're going to call Blue Moon um, uh, craft uh, craft adjacent is my is still the term I'm gonna I'm going to stick with. Um, and I guess I have a hard time arguing that Shock Top would not be craft adjacent either, although it's craft very adjacent. I've told you about my, I told you about uh, a, 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 a sh- my Shock Top experience in Oklahoma, right? No. Okay. Um, so I, I was in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, this is probably 10 years ago. Uh, and check into my hotel and... Oklahoma has prairie, but that was fucking it. I mean, there was nothing to be seen there. And so I wander into this gas station and I kind of look around and uh, the, the, uh, the person working counter asks if they can help me. I'm like, uh, do you have any, do you have a, uh, do you have anything besides like Budweiser and Coors? And he says, oh yeah, we have a whole craft section. I'm like, really? And he points me to this shelf that's all um, uh, shock top. All different flavors of shock top. <laughs> uh, that, Jeremy, when you go to hell, it is that gas station. <laughs> it really... And the, the pride on this man's face when he said, oh, we have a whole craft beer section and showed me that. He said it was such... Confidence and such. Uh, uh, I had a. <laughs> he lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. What do you expect? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't shatter his dream, so I took a six pack of Shock Top. <laughs> original, or did you get a flavor? <laughs> I think it was just the original. I don't. <laughs> but anyway, I guess my point is. I, if it's good enough for a craft beer section in a gas station in Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> it can win like the the official first craft ish beer commercial. <laughs> oh, but anyway, <laughs> again, the uh, 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 I'm sure we'll 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 take a few more days to uh, uh, to to contemplate just. Uh, the, 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 grand upset that was Blue Moon, uh, I, I don't think I'll ever be the same, uh, but, uh, in the meantime, uh, well, what do you got next? Well, I do gotta say, Bud Light did have a really funny commercial during the Super Bowl. Again, I did not watch a bit of it. Uh, and I was like, yes, thank you, Budweiser, for getting back in your lane, just being fun and whimsical, and, uh, not trying to attack people. What a, a quick rundown of that commercial, then. Uh, it was the actor Miles Teller. Uh, he's in the new Top Gun. Uh, it's him and his wife in the house. She is on hold 
on speakerphone and they start dancing with Bud Light cans uh, to the hold music and it's an obnoxiously long hold. And I was like, every person can relate to that commercial <laughs> because we've all sat there. And then you know how fucking like hold music will like randomly stop and it sounds like it's going to answer and you're like, oh, thank God. And then it's like, thank you for holding and keeps playing the fucking music again. Fucking does that. It was priceless. <laughs> again, they were not little bitches. And I and I'm gonna give us credit where credit is due. I think they mm-hmm. I think uh our our satirizing of them uh when we started this podcast uh wounded them so deeply that they uh that that, that they know their place now. Yep. Well so to get to an actual news story here, um <laughs> there is a new company, uh Sustainable Beverage Technologies is partnering with Middleby to manufacture its next draft system, which uses beer concentrates. And if you just went, what the fuck did you say? Let me dive into it. So if you've ever walked into a restaurant or a bar and you see the bartender pull out the little soda gun and fill your cup of soda, what is actually happening happening is back in the back somewhere or wherever there is a box that has a bunch of soda syrup in it it is then pushed out and met with carbonated water where it's blended together at the gun and then shot out into your cup to make the soda that you are ingesting down your fucking gullet this company is basically sat there and said why don't we just do this with beer? <laughs> and and the fact that that person wasn't immediately struck by lightning just shows that not only is there is there is no god, there is no justice. Uh, uh, the other there there's no point. Uh, eat at Arby's. <laughs> but um, so what it. One perk of actually doing this, and you're if you're thinking, why the fuck would breweries even want to do this? What is inspiring this? Um, they can basically get it to where it is one-sixth of the weight. So for the same weight as one six-barrel keg, you could move six of those in this concentrate form. So you could move a full barrel for the same weight as one six-barrel keg with this system and the concentrates. So that a huge, potential huge savings on shipping, handling, storage space, and it, it could potentially be a huge game-changer. Um, but in my mind, if I see someone fucking pour me a beer from a soda gun, I'm fucking walking out. <laughs> I, I don't know what about it. It's it's essentially the same fucking thing, but there but is. But it's not less... because if you, I mean, well, first of all, in order to make the syrup, um, you would have to, you'd have to either boil out, filter out, or something. You know, the water, which um, 
you know, we've kind of talked about this process is kind of how NA beers are, uh, some NA beers are produced. And I think you have something on that. But my point is, um, you're having to do some process to the beer. Uh, and beer is, it's, it's alive. It's, it, there are, it's got its own processes going. And if you re- use a, use some technique to remove the water only to replace it later, you're, I don't see how you can do that and not affect the flavor. So funny you brought that up. Uh, they actually talk about in this article and speak with someone from Deschutes Brewing, uh, who has announced the release of its N.A. dark beer, Black Butte Non-Alcoholic, using the Sustainable Beverage Technologies patent brew process called Bruvo. And that beer apparently has been racking up awards since then. Like, Um, the beer beer that's gone through this process, they've, they've, I guess, dehydrated it, um, and then rehydrated it, and it still wins awards. Yeah, correct. I mean, the Black Butte, so, does, the Black Butte NA is very good. Um, I don't know what the ones I've had that have been subjected to this particular form of uh, 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 boozy torture, but so um, basically, what it will happen, uh, they kind of go through um, the process here. Uh, they said integrating. It can integrate easily with standard brewing equipment. Uh, The process produces a multi-brewed beer um, that has six times the ingredient and flavor density of traditionally produced beers. And then it's made using Bruvo equipment and then blended with water and alcohol later on. This multi-brewed Beer yields identical flavor and aroma profiles as traditionally produced beer. Uh, Or if the brewer chooses to, they can create the non-alcohol version of this beer by just not adding the alcohol back into it. So uh, the process it uses is referred to as nested fermentation. So after brewing a portion of the beer... The Bruvo machine removes the alcohol and adds a new batch of wort, allowing for additional fermentation. Does it say how it goes about uh, removing the alcohol, or does it just... just It doesn't go into that, and I'm assuming it's a proprietary something that they're not going to explain. Fair enough. Uh, And then, after repeating this process a handful of times, what's left is a concentrated non-alcoholic beer base, that can be packaged alongside the removed alcohol and then put into a bladder and a box and shipped to wherever it's going. And it's more environmentally friendly because you don't have to basically send the keg back. Uh, it's a single use box and bag that are recyclable. Um, and when it gets to the spot, the the people hook it up to the system. Uh, the next draft technology, uh, which mixes the multi-brewed beer um, and with multi-brewed, carbonated water. Multi-brewed beer is such a fucking euphemism there. Yeah, it's multi-brewed beer. No, it's... <laughs> it's multi... It's multi-brewed in the same sense that uh, a slab of beef is a cow that's been multi-padded. 
or the same thing like a uh, fucking Idaho silver has been triple distilled. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one distillation away from being anesthetic. <laughs> but uh, and then it blends it back in with the carbonated water and alcohol to deliver the classic beer taste and aroma. Um, and they include in the article a hyperlink where you can see it's basically a box with two bags in it. One, and it says uh, the Neoglick Brewing Stout, 5.8% ABV, the description, and, I mean, it's a fucking tiny-ass box. Um, and... So they partnered with Middleby Corporation, a global manufacturer of kitchen and restaurant equipment, to try to basically manufacture this system at scale where they can start getting it into more places and using this. Um, and because of the small footprint this takes up, because you don't need a kegerator or a huge walk-in, basically you just need a closet that has enough room for your soda gun it opens up draft solutions to retail formats that didn't have the space and uh that was the most dystopian article i could find this week and (laughs) if a bartender ever pulls out a fucking gun something about it i'm like that's not a beer i don't fucking want it give me a whiskey coke then if you're gonna use a fucking gun flash go go back like i've seen hard i've seen liquor on a, they have a little gun that yeah. you can dispense liquor with. I have no problem with that. But beer, it, just, something about it don't seem right. Um, flashback like uh, uh, 10, 20 years ago and say, you know, in the future, um, a beer company is going to uh, um, uh, is going to figure out how to, to condense their condense their beer into a soda bag and just, you know, basically reconstitute in syrup who do you think did that people go fucking ab and bev or they go fucking right bud because it hadn't quite become ab at that point in time but you get my point <laughs> right and i'm like we need to band together and fight this like i don't want i don't care if it tastes the same if bars start adopting this if i go into that bar i'm only drinking out of a can <laughs> That's a, I mean that's that, that that's a weird hill to die on. But I I I guess I'm right there with you, Mike. So let me get this straight: your beer is in a plastic bag in a box in your closet. Like there is something about like seeing the draft system on the wall, uh, watching them open the faucet, pour into the cup, close the faucet, hand the cup back to you, instead of just setting the cup down on the bar and being like. You realize, 350 please you're realizing like uh, uh uh like 25 years you're gonna be you're gonna you're, you're gonna go out to a bar with your daughter uh and she's and they're gonna do that you're gonna be like fuck in my day we had like these drafts and something like and here and in little little parker's gonna go jesus christ dad can we just get, can we just go out and have a beer without you going on your weird draft beer rant <laughs> and i'll be like no and i'll be like i want it out of a bottle a tap or I'm going liquor, and she'll be like, "Can you also get him a shop? <laughs> make it, make it like three. 
He'll shut up when you, he gets a couple of those in him. <laughs> I mean, he won't, but he'll just he'll he'll move he'll move on to the next travesty. <laughs> oh. Well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Middle East beer news now. Uh, Tyler, have you had many beers produced in the Middle East? I didn't think they did. So It's not a, an area known for a lot of beer. Or You're right, any booze whatsoever. But uh, a brewing tradition uh, has found our way to survive there, and now it's come to America. This comes from the Washington Post by Tony Reagan. Um, uh, Zah- I'm... I'm- First of all, I'm looking to get this out of the way. Um, there's a uh, a lot of uh, uh, where there's going to be a lot of names outside my uh, white boy pronunciation comfort zone. So bear with. Thank me. God I didn't find this article because I probably would have passed out and been like, nope. Uh, Zahara... Too many names can't do. <laughs> <laughs> too too many syllable names bad. <laughs> yep. Uh, Zahara Tabi Tabi. Um, Taba Tahabi, there you go. Um, at least how I assume that's how you pronounce it. Um, uh, was three or four years old when her grandfather uh, Golam Reza uh, Fakharabadi died. Um, her family, <laughs> I think it's how you pronounce it. I know that's my best guess. Her her family comes from Iran, uh, and there's and they have always used a lot of traditional ingredients used in their uh, uh, in their cooking, from uh, black limes to uh, barra berries. Um, but there was another story in there as well, and it was a story about uh, Baba June, that was uh, her uh, grandfather's nickname, and his abjo, which is the uh, Persian word for beer. Now, hmm. to be, now, to be a bit fair, when he was doing it in, in Iran, it was probably legal or near enough. The Islamic Revolution didn't hit Iran till 1979, and her family left a, left the country a year before that. And that strikes me as a good time to get out of town, um, especially if you're a home brewer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, he apparently brewed it in his country when when he was alive, but uh, his. Uh, uh, but his recipes and traditions started to fade. Um, that was when uh, Tabatabi's grand, uh, grandmother mentioned rather offhand that she missed her late husband's beer. Um, she thought to herself, well, I'm a pretty good chef. I can make food and beer is basically food. This should be easy. Um, <laughs> oh, you sweet, sweet child of summer. <laughs> A few months after learning how to brew beer in her Manhattan apartment, uh, she found that A, brewing is harder than it looks, uh, B, especially when crammed into a tiny apartment. I remember trying to brew beer in in an apartment in Omaha, Nebraska, and that that had a relatively large footprint. Two bedrooms, one of which was unoccupied, a closet, um, a balcony... Uh, I managed to haul my kegerator in there. I'm guessing she didn't have all these amenities. Especially in New York, I'm assuming that apartment was probably like 800 square feet, and she had three roommates. Basically, she's trying to make a beer in uh, uh, in something the size of the office I'm recording in right now. But anyway, with help from the local homebrew club as well uh, as some product research from her family, she crafted a lineup of beer that features flavors uh, uh, used in Iranian cooking uh, and inspired by her grandfather's recipes that her grandfather grandmother remembered and that also had to be a bit trying because uh she she describes 
um, you know, talking to her grandmother and trying to figure out, try, trying to piece together from uh, her vague memories um, what her grandfather might have used, um, what process he might have used. And if you've ever tried to uh, 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 get a cooking recipe from like a grandparent, they're like, you're like, well, how much of this do I use? And they're like, when it feels right. And you're like, that's not really something I can reproduce. Uh, <laughs> well, since I've never, so I can only, I can only imagine talking to the person that didn't actually make it and being like, what was the recipe they used? And they'd be like, well, I think this, well, how much when he thought it was right. <laughs> um, well, and I, I even try to talk to, even try to talk to, uh, uh, I mean, you're, you're also likely to get, Oh yeah. Well, you also, uh, 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 how, well, how much do you use grandma? Oh, about a about a hogshead worth. They, they, they don't use that measurement anymore. What are you even talking about? But yeah. Um, anyway, uh, she she got through this uh, and with help with the local homebrew club is um, talking to her family. Um, sh- uh, she uh, able to produce. Uh, a few American style craft beers with a dist- distinctive twist from uh, from her uh, native Iran. In 2021, she opened back home beer with two different beers. Um, there's a Persian lager, which was more. Uh, this was the most most uh, uh, similar to something that her grandfather would have produced. It was it's a it's a light lager with a touch of Persian blue salt. I have no idea what mm. the fuck that is. But I'm assuming it's like the Himalayan pink salt, but from Persia and blue. That's my best guess. Uh, a sumac goza, which, as suggested, is a slightly tart beer with the zest of cured sumac, as well as tower, uh, salt and ta- sour cherries. Um, she later did an IPA because, of course, she did because you can only deal with so mm-hmm. many glazed ice bros going. What IPAs do you have before you break down and fucking make an IPA? Um, hers got any hazies? Yeah, she doesn't mention any hazies, but uh, I like hers features uh, uh, a, 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 along with a hoppy profile uh, orange blossoms. Um, oh, nice! And then there's her Yalda Queen, a goza with pomegranate juice and puree. Um, and the response so far has been um, has been a bit overwhelming. Um, at the moment, uh, she is contract brewing uh, out of Staten Island flagship brewing. Uh, kegging it and distributing it to bars around New York City, mostly in her car. Um, but she was recently awarded the Brewers Association Diversity, Equ- uh, Equity, and Inclusion Grant um, and wants to, in time, get her beer as far south as, as her family in Atlanta. Uh, she'd also like her own space uh, with a tap room and Persian street food. And then and use that to continue to providing something unique to the craft beer world. And that's where the, and, and that's what uh, a lot of what she talks about in the article uh, when they interviewed her is, uh, is uh, finding, finding a, a inspiration in her culture to bring something truly unique to craft beer. Yeah. And I think that is probably the most unique, like craft beer story I have heard in a while. I mean, again, I mean, right straight from the get go, uh, what I mean caught my attention is like, wait, Middle Eastern style style beer. I, I'm you've had my undivided attention. Yeah. Now I want to try this blue 
salt they speak of. Yeah, I it, well it, by itself, but the the I mean the beers they uh, uh, they describe some of the beers they sound they sound amazing. They are um, I mean they're uh, it's already available in like some three hundred some bars um, in and around uh, New York City. Um, uh, in in that classic story of uh, uh, of having trouble keeping up with the demand. Which is mm-hmm. oh you know it's it's always a good problem to have and uh, who knows in time Middle Eastern style I'll be go, going through the BJCP and uh, going oh uh, Middle Eastern style lager great <laughs> <laughs> probably won't catch on to that effect but uh, probably not. And speaking of lands far away, uh, uh, you've got uh, 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 a story about cans in a, a, a in a in a faraway place. I do. So, if uh, scrolling aimlessly uh, the other day, I saw this YouTube video of why Hawaii's soda cans are shaped differently, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I forgot Hawaii's cans are shaped differently." And my head immediately went to Maui Brewing because it always sucked if you went to buy a couple, like, building a mix six-pack and you went to throw a Maui Brewing can in there because you couldn't put it in the pack tech. And uh, Terminal Gravity. And uh, Cascade Lakes. Mm. There are a few There, there are a few breweries that are using the, that, that weird size. It's a slightly larger... Um, diameter can. It is. So, the Hawaiian, Hawaiian soda cans, or just cans, uh, use a 206 ES can lid, which is two and three eighths of an inch in diameter. The regular can that most American breweries use is a 202 can lid that is two and one eighth inches in diameter. So, you add an extra quarter of an inch. I'm, I'm surprised Which, even that much because you look at the cans and I mean, if you didn't know, you'd like look at the cans, they look the same size until you try to put the pack tech on there. You're like, why isn't this one going on? Because it's the lid, not the like actual can itself. They still hold the same liquid. Right. Um, but back in, I want to say if I remember from the video correct, in 79, the 206 can lids took over from the 211 can lids. 211 used to be the industry standard, which I'm like, that is fucking massive now. <laughs> well, I was, say, I was about to say, I don't remember that. I'm like, well, of course you don't. <laughs> um, but so the 206 took over. Um, and became kind of industry standard, but a uh, little ba- little tidbit of information on that: the lid of a soda or beer can uses the same. It is twice as thick and uses the same amount of aluminum as the rest of the can. I believe that easy, yeah. So I mean, even the even the uh, um, the 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 opener apparatus contains 
a significant portion of the and a higher grade aluminum by the way it's uh, um i i read a whole story once about why um i think it's the ronald mcdonald house um asked for the tabs asked for the pull tabs as opposed to whole cans and and a mm-hmm. i mean there's uh, without going way too you know getting well off the weeds there's basically three reasons number one they're always clean number two they're made of a higher grade aluminum and number three uh, they contain a not insignificant amount of the aluminum in a can. Mm-hmm. So, can companies started realizing one way to basically make more money was to start making the can lids smaller in diameter so that extra aluminum that you're shaving off the end adds up when you're doing billions of cans. I think I... Um, and, and, and another read I read I read a uh, uh, I once read a story about a guy who was involved in one of the first like computer modelings to redesign cans. I think I'm thinking the way you're just talking about to reduce the amount of aluminum it takes to make a can and also to reduce the weight. And, and again, it's mm-hmm. it's a minuscule amount per can, but when you scale that up to millions and millions of cans you're talking about entire slabs of aluminum that you don't that you don't need and uh thousands of gallons of gas that you d- didn't burn in order to transport it mm-hmm. um and it the video also talks about how soda beer would fall into this is a weight gaining product not necessarily yeah, meaning you're gonna yeah <laughs> uh, but meaning that as you from raw materials to finished goods, the amount of weight goes up and up and up to get to that final product. So with that, the rest of the world basically transitioned to these 202 cans, except for Hawaii. Uh, for one big reason, because 94% of a soda can really is water, um, you're not going to ship carbonated water to Hawaii. You're going to use the water available there locally. And most places, if you buy a Pepsi here in the Treasure Valley, it's been bottled within a couple hours of here. Um, there are bottling, there are local bottling plants for soda spread, spread throughout the country. Hawaii is no different. You have them on the island. But because Hawaii is so isolated, the can companies and the soda companies aren't going to ship it, have it shipped from the mainland. So there is one can plant in the whole state, and it's the ball can plant in Oahu. Uh, (laughs) And they provide all the cans for the island. Well, instead of going back through and retrofitting or redoing the whole machines to take it from the 206 cans down to the 202 cans, they basically just said, ah, oh, fuck it, we'll keep making 202s because the amount that we'd have to invest in this to change all the machines to make the different can lids here, and then the companies would have to invest to be able to seal the can lids to the cans it's not worth the effort and so hawaii has kind of just leaned into this little branding of 
the nostalgia of still running the bigger cam lids. And also just because they're too lazy to change. Well, and the economies of scale aren't there. There's no financial motivation to do it. A good point. Because what what we were talking about is like these these benefits you see from a smaller can lid and lighter construction really show themselves over the millions and millions and millions and millions of cans produced, and they're just not producing that there. Mm -hmm. And the video said... uh, it's like one million cans a day is what the Hawaii ball plant does, where the four ball plants in the United States all produce over like eight million cans a day. Jesus. So it is just such a minuscule number that they produce down there. It's not worth it when it basically takes you a week to do what you can do in one day. And some of the other plants. But they're, I mean, but they're still, but they are still pro- producing that larger can size on the mainland, so to speak. Because, I, again, like I, I, Terminal Gravity annoyingly uses them. Cascade Lakes annoyingly uses them. They didn't have any insight as to why there's a few uh, oddball can sizes here or. Uh, the only thing I could think of is just a marketing differentiator. I mean, think Wendy's with the square patties over the circular patties. Um, so it, it stands out a little more on I the mean, shelf. and it stands if, out and it's annoying as fuck. <laughs> but, I mean, for Ball to make it, I'm sure they don't make a ton of them. But if they got a couple breweries that want to buy them from them they'll happily sell it and i'm sure that they charge more than they would for the standard 202 can lid well i i I wondered about that because at least cascade lakes i want to say changed their they they changed over to that odd can size right around the pandemic or shortly after the pandemic hit. And I couldn't help but wonder if like, so, I mean, it was when there was a can shortage too. And so I couldn't Mm -hmm. help but speculate, is this because this style of can was available? And it may have been the only thing I could think of because you need a different seamer for that. Because you're, if you have a seamer for a standard two Oh two can lid, it won't seem the two Oh six lid. So, the only thing I could think of is at some point they used to use that size, went down to the 206, and either didn't get rid of the can lids on that, or they still kept the equipment for that seamer. And so they basically were like, well, shit, guess we got to go back to what we were doing with this. Um, well, Cascade, and, Cascade Lakes, I could have sworn they went went from the smaller one to the larger one. Terminal Gravity, I think, I don't remember their cans. I, they, I think they went right from bottle to this odd-sized can. Which, that one makes sense. If, if Cascade Lakes had never used that size ever before, to me, they, they made it because of a marketing decision, because you're not going to make that choice 
and have to change your canning line. That's a fucking weird, I mean, a weird marketing choice. All right, guys, I got the thing. This is going to, this is... This is going to uh, uh, it's going to revolutionize uh, uh, how we sell our beer. You ready for this? Check out this can. Okay, you see how it's a little bit different. I mean, it's got like a little wider uh, a top. Exactly. Everybody's gonna go crazy. Mm-hmm. Because you're because it looks like we're using the wrong can. Yes. <laughs> we're like Hawaii. Uh, I can't understand why a brewery would do that because they were struggling to find can lids if that was the issue because why would you change up your line your whole canning line to do that for a little bit of time to to then go back yeah, fair enough but i don't know i just i got thinking about those two i mean um and that and and for the moment uh maui brewing is still produced in hawaii uh, but that is set to change, I think, coming up soon with their with their uh, purchase of uh, of uh, modern times. Modern times. Uh, now the question is, will modern times adopt the two hundred six can lid? I mean, it would make a ton more sense for to, for all of it to start being produced in the two hundred two can because they're. I, I don't. I think more widely available, more. That's the other thing about why you would, why if you were, there'd be a strange marketing ploy to, to use a strange can because they would be, you would think, more expensive. Yeah, there, I, I would be willing to bet a substantial amount of money they're more expensive, but there's also less people using it. So there's less chance of you getting shorted on an order. I, mean, I suppose, except for, I mean, well, Unless the unless the uh, uh, the can the the can plant just didn't do that run this week because they're behind on the the can size that you know everybody uses, we'll produce yours eventually. You weird uh, weird true. little you weird weird little shits you. Yeah, but also on the flip side, the breweries using these aren't really like. There's few, there's not that many of them and there's not, they're not making the volumes comparative to the others. So Fair enough. you load up a pallet or two of the can lids, you're going to be fine for a little bit of time. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so enjoy, so enjoy that. If you in, in, uh, in Hawaii, just bask in the glow of the slightly odd shaped can. And now you have a fit, little fun tidbit of information while you're drinking that beer that won't fit into your pack tech. <laughs> uh, Tyler, you got anything else for us tonight? That's it for me. Uh, well, this has been uh, It's All Beer. Uh, if you uh, want to see the uh, uh, stories we use to make this podcast, you can find it on our Twitter feed, uh, It's All Beer 1. I checked again. The... the, uh, uh, the, the the at it's all beer is still is still there uh, uh, annoyingly not using their uh, Twitter account so um, motherfuckers I think it's uh, I think it's time to uh, uh, call Elon and like have him I don't know drive a Tesla through his house or some shit he'll do that because he's he's hard up for money right now so I bet if we give him like a hundred bucks he'll do that for us yeah you just gotta subscribe to Twitter Blue first. <laughs> we were thinking about doing that anyway <laughs> just. To get... 
you know, maybe maybe uh, do a, a parody uh, a parody account for you know the the real AB InBev account and just shit post for. <laughs> Bring back emo Budweiser. <laughs> oh, and do the Twitter blue. Uh, uh, if you want to, uh, uh, we, we put up some pictures of what we're drinking, some other weird stuff uh, we find on our Instagram feed uh, and our Facebook page. You can find it at It's All Beer. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, if you've got a story that you think uh, would be uh, interesting, uh, you can send it to us uh, at itsallbeer at gmail.com. And of course, uh, if you want to leave us a rating, you can do so on Facebook, on uh, iTunes, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and you can, uh, yeah, let uh, Tyler know that uh, uh, spending the better part of uh, uh, 30 minutes discussing the intricacies of a quarter of an inch in, t- <laughs> in can lids is highly riveting. It's strangely riveting. You know, he's never, <laughs> <laughs> never, never found a quarter of an inch so interesting since your wedding night. Uh, <laughs> Damn right. They got the job done. And that'll be quite enough from us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to have a beer. Have fun. Have fun.